0: stand in your presence Lord and just all of us Lord and just your gift that you gave to us your son and we celebrate that today we celebrate just this Easter Sunday Lord so I just thank you Lord as always just I pray for our hearts and our ears and our minds to be open Lord and just give me the words to speak and just uh, be with us today let us just feel your presence in your name we pray amen go ahead and have a seat so, today we're, we're still in our series of, of Yahweh, and we're going to finish that today, and you'll see why I chose this one hey, today. Garrett, Garrett, Tim, what are you doing here, Tim? Uh, start, uh, Tim, what? A guy, a guy ex- ex- more I don't care, Tim. Oh. I'm, I, this is my time. Well, you you, you have your time back there. Like, this is my time. No, but you ordered them. And I, 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 I know. I ordered them, and I already paid for them. I paid for a, oh. a dozen. Like, oh, I already no, got six. Well, that's not my problem. That's not me. You go figure that out. Like I, I'm busy here. I can't take care of it now. It's not, it's not my responsibility, but I'll pay for you. Okay, well, well please take care of it and, and, and stop, okay? Yeah. Quit. Go away. Now, uh, uh, sorry about that. Like, I guess I got to beef up security around here. I'm not exactly <laughs> sure what, what got into him. You know, like how Derry comes in here like, like it is This is my time now. So, like how dare he comes in here all high and mighty and righteous and tries to act like he's all that. Which brings me to the name of, of God that we're going to look at today. Yahweh Sidkenu. We find this name in Jeremiah 23.6. And I want to begin in verse 1 so we can kind of grasp a whole little bit of concept of what's going on here. So let's look at the screen and, and just listen along with me and starting in verse 1. Woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to the shepherds who tend tend my people. Because you have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not bestowed care on them, I will bestow punishment on you for the evil you have done, declares the Lord. I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them and will bring them back to their pasture. Where? They will be fruitful and increase in number. I will place shepherds over them who will tend them, and they will no longer be afraid or terrified, nor will any be missing, declares the Lord. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will rise up from David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his day Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called. The Lord, our righteous Savior. So when Tim came in here, like he was demanding this money for this donuts. This, he was like, he was, he pointed out like this is, this is my mistake. This is the mess that I, I made. I, I, I all own up to that. But I expected him to pay for it. I expected him to just take care of it. But wouldn't it be right for me to pay for it? Wouldn't it be right for me to take care of it? That as we could maybe say, that would be the righteous thing to do. Because I ordered it. It's my mistake. So I, have, I should take responsibility for that. Now, if I want to be in right standing, so to speak, with Krispy Kreme or the delivery person, like the right thing to do and to have this right relationship with Tim, to have the right relationship with Krispy, K- Krispy Kreme would be for me to pay my bill. For me to pay the price that I need to pay, not have someone else do it because it's my, it's my mess. I need to own up to it, to make it right. Now don't really look at me funny like, yeah, you messed up, like you're, like, like you're all righteous and high and mighty too because I'm pretty sure some of you break the law, I'm pretty sure that some of you that were late today, speeding here in your car, there are speed limits, right? Some of you probably see some people laughing over here. They probably broke those laws. Or maybe your spouse was making you late or your children were making you late and did you kind of get irritated or, or angry at them? So we broke some laws probably this morning or yesterday or the day before or every day and probably broke some, some of God's laws. And so all of you that, that you're not quite as righteous as maybe you thought you were. Or if you didn't admit to, to breaking the, the law, well, I, I kind of question that because we all, we're all sinful. We'll all break the law. We all are lawbreakers and we're all not as righteous as we think we do. We think we are. It's impossible really to just to keep all the laws, to keep all these rules. Like just a simple law or just, uh, just what Jesus tells us to do, to love our neighbor as ourself. Like I'll flat say, I 100% do not love everybody the way Jesus tells me to love. Maybe all of you that say that you don't break the law can love somebody that way. But again, I question that because I, 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 I don't think that's true. We, we struggle with that, of things like that. So it creates this need for this righteousness that we need. This righteousness that comes from this name, Yahweh Sid Kadu. So let's look at this word a little closer, this, this word Righteousness. Let's look at what this means. So, this is this is kind of a this is a definition that, that we could use for this. Righteousness is Yahweh's saving act as evidence of God's faithfulness to the covenant. So, what do I mean by this? Look at this to see what I mean by this. We've got to look at Genesis 15, starting in verse 9. This is an interaction between it's it's as we know Abraham, but it's actually his name is still Abram. And this is an interaction between him and God. Starts in verse 9. It says, So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, him is Abram. He's talking to Abram. He says, Bring me a heifer, a goat and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all of these to him, cut them in two, arranged them in halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut, he did not cut in half. So Abram slaughters these animals. He makes two rows of them and yeah it's kind of a bloody gross picture to think about but he makes this these two rows of this and so then this is what happens well it says the birds of prey came down on the carcasses but abraham drove them away so after he's done all this it says as the sun was setting abram fell into a deep sleep and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him so abram's sleeping now then we see in verse 17 it says, when the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire, pit, fire pot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. So what we see here is, we see God passing between these, these slaughtered animals. We see God making this covenant with, with Abram, with Abraham, with, essentially with us. And what we see is that God is the only one that did that. And traditionally in that time, if you're going to make a covenant with somebody, you would slaughter these animals and you would have that and both parties would cross through these animals. And that would represent that if you broke this covenant, that this is what's going to happen to you. These slaughter outs this, this is your fate. And what we see here is God is the only one that passed through these animals. God is the one that made this covenant. Now, I kind of leave you a visual picture of these slaughtered animals and that that... But what we see is that throughout history, and we, we, those of us that are read, know about history in Israel, like, Israel continually broke this covenant. Israel was not faithful to this covenant. Israel made false gods. Israel cried and whined about not having food and water. And Israel pursued other, other things and other gods other than the true, one true God, other than Yahweh. But what we do see, God's always faithful. God keeps his covenant. God, our righteousness. We see that Yahweh is really, he's the only one faithful to this covenant. And this covenant of faithfulness that Yahweh has, this righteous God, it it shows us that Yahweh continually has these saving acts throughout history to uphold his covenant. That really, just to put it in modern day terms, is Yahweh's got our back. We mess up, but Yahweh has our back. Even though we don't deserve it, we don't live up to our part, Yahweh's living up to His, which brings us to today, which brings us to thousands of years later, to this Easter Sunday. In fact, about 2,000 years ago, God demonstrated His righteousness. Why we celebrate today? God demonstrated His righteousness by His saving act of giving His Son, Jesus Offering his son Jesus to die on the cross for us. To die on the cross and then rise again from the dead. To conquer death. Giving us freedom. Giving us freedom from... There's many of us in this room that have had addictions or had things that we know what I'm talking about here. Like we're free now. God has given us that freedom. Given us that forgiveness of our sins. Given us that freedom from the mess that we make for ourselves. All of those things that maybe have kept us trapped. Maybe some of us are trapped still in this room right now. But Jesus came to set us free. He came to give us new life. God doing this because God is, is our righteousness. God is giving us that rightfulness. This faithful one who wants nothing more than to restore our relationship to him giving us righteousness, not, not by things that we can do. The Israelites were given laws. We're given laws. We're given rules. We're giving so many things that we can't obey. We can't earn this righteousness. There's nothing that we can do. That We don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. This is our mess. We didn't deserve this. But yet, God's righteousness, God's saving act, he had someone else, his own son, pay the price for us. Look at 1 Peter 2.24. He himself bore our sins on the, in, the cro- in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. See, Jesus paid this price. If you don't know about this, Jesus, those of us that do, like Jesus was without sin. He didn't deserve this death. This We deserve this. But in order for God to be righteous, to give us this righteousness, Jesus had to die to restore this relationship to our Father, to His Father, to Yahweh. Kind of like me expecting someone else to pay for those donuts. Pay for for my mistake, pay for my mess, my responsibility. Now that's something simple. There's, we, have, we all have messes in our lives. Yet we see God saying, you know what? I'm going to send my son to pay that price for you. God didn't do it. God didn't, God didn't make me do this, have this mess that I live in. It's not God's fault. It's really, it's all on me. It's on, it's, I have to take ownership of that. Yet God is, is sending Jesus to, God puts it all on his son. To give us forgiveness. To give us forgiveness and make, give us this righteousness. Someone else paying the price for me. Jesus paying that price for me. Demonstrating God's, God's righteousness. God's righteousness of wanting to, this relation restoring love that he has for us by sending his son to die for our sins and save us. There's this book that I've been reading and um, I, 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 ju- I want to read the, the couple pages to you out of you because it describes the last twenty four hours that Jesus was, was of his death, and so I just want to read this because I think it describes just what it what this means. So let I me mean, just listen to these words. It says the next twenty four hours were a travesty of justice. The religious authorities conspired to have Jesus executed on trumped up charges that were never substantiated. A series of six trials were painful and shameful, conducted either under a shroud of secrecy or amid the screams of a frenzied mob. Jesus was beating mercilessly, stripped down, spat upon, before being pulverized by a brutal lashing that stripped flesh from the bone. Then to satisfy the sadistic whims of the guards, thorns were pressed into Jesus' skull. His wounds were mockingly covered by a scarlet robe, laughing off his claim to be king. The soldiers unwittingly dramatized the true meaning of Jesus' death, crowding him with our curse and shrouding him with our sin. To testify the murderous demands of the crowds, the Roman governor Pontius Pilate, who could find no fault in Jesus, still sentenced him to a criminal's death. Jesus was made to carry his own heavy cross to a lonely hill outside the walls of Jerusalem, Golgotha. There he endured the most excruciating death the Roman war machine could mastermind. Jesus was crucified with large spikes nailed through the nerve clusters of his wrist and ankles. The sky grew dark. His creation mourned its maker's suffering. Yet even as his blood soaked the earth below, what came out of Jesus was nothing short of divine love. Prayers for his executioners. Provisions for his mother. A promise to a thief. After hours of agony as his strength ebbed away, the one who breathed life into our nostrils had that breath leave his own. The moment triggered a profound reaction. The earth shook. Graves were opened. The veil cloistering God's holy presence in the temple was torn asunder. What was happening? When with his death, dying breaths, Jesus declared, It is finished. And it was his work of atonement. Everything was necessary for sinners to come close to a holy God was completed at the cross. Evil powers to exile us from God have been exhausted and the apocalyptic symbols surrounding Jesus' death played out that breathtaking drama. Earth was cracking open, and heaven came flooding through. The cross is the clearest window we have in the Christian story into the holy love of God. There we encounter a God who cares so much about evil, and what it's done to damage us and distort his creation, that he cannot justly leave it unpunished. At the same time, we encounter God who loves us so much that we would rather step, he would rather step in to absorb that punishment than see us endure it. The cross simultaneously exposes all we have become and all God is willing to suffer so we can redeem by love. That last line, the last paragraph is really what I wanted you to hear. That last, that last line, I think, is worth repeating. Look at it on the screen. It says the cross simultaneously exposed all all we have become, all that mess that we are, all of the, the sinful nature of us, all just, it's, 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 ours, it's ours. We have to own it. And all God is willing to suffer so, he can, so we can be redeemed by love. Now, some of you may think God can never love me. Don't believe that lie. Don't believe that lie. God loves you. God loves you. And the Lord who is our righteousness sent his son Jesus to pay that price for you. For you to receive forgiveness. To receive forgiveness to restore that broken relationship to God. It doesn't matter. We're all, it's for all of us. But it's something we need to accept. We need to accept this and it's a gift from God. Look at Romans 5, 15 through 17 with me. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many. Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. He's talking about Adam. He's talking about Adam. Adam and Eve, when they, they sinned in the garden, forever cursing the rest of the world, forever, through eternity, so God needed to, he needed to save, the, he needed to save humanity. And that's how way he sent his son. It goes on. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through the one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? So we see it's a gift. It's a gift that we don't deserve. A gift to pay the price for me, for my sin. A gift from God that we receive. We've we've received that gift and we receive that through faith. Ephesians 2.8 tells us, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It's not from us. It is the gift of God. So what we see is a gift received by faith. because that's what today is about. This is a gift that we've received, but it's a gift that we have to accept it. We have stories in here. Many of us have stories. Stories like these are some stories that that I I have heard and I know, and these are real-life stories. Like this story. As a drug dealer and user, my life was a spiral downward, (coughs) spending time behind bars, was not in itself enough to stop me from a life of bad choices. Only the transforming grace and power of God could deliver me and empower me to serve the Lord with the same urgency that I previously served sin. Or what about this story? Found in an oven as a baby with bruises and cigarette burns all over my body. Juvenile detention began at 11 years old. Drug and alcohol marked my path from juvenile detention to prison. Committing 135 misdemeanors and five felonies led to spending 14 years in prison. While in jail, facing a life sentence, I picked up a Bible, lying on the floor and prayed, God, I don't know how to get get to you, but if you are real, like they say you are real, please help me. God's word became alive, and while in prison, I received Jesus, this free gift, and went from a life sentence to serving one year in the county jail. Or we might have a story like this, feeling like I don't have any choice, nothing to live for. What's the point of going on in this world? My life is, is, is awful. No one's even going to care if I'm not in it anymore. So I grabbed a gun, couldn't end it all, but cried out to God and said one last time and said, if you're real, give me something to live for. And Jesus spoke, spoke to me that day. And I went from ending it all to living for Jesus, a life restored. Or, well, we all have stories, don't we? Some of them are similar to these stories. Some of them are stories like ones where, you know what, I lived in a great family. Lived in a good family. Good parents, a good home, great, great ex- family experiences, good memories. But there was always something missing. There was always something missing. All of these stories, what's missing is Jesus. Jesus was missing before we found him, before we accepted this gift. A story that some of us in this room, a lot of us in this room, we've discovered what Yahweh's Sid Canoe is. We've discovered that this death on this, Jesus' death on the cross, this resurrection meant for us. And we've accepted this free gift of righteousness. We've we've experienced what was missing and we have this restored life with God. This restored relationship with God. We have this new life we find in Jesus. But we have to, we've received this gift. We had to receive this gift from Jesus. Others may still be trying to do it yourself. Still feeling something missing following rules, following laws. Maybe, maybe even you're just giving up and say, I'm, I'm going to make my own rules. I'm going to make my own laws. So what's your story? What is your story? Throughout this whole series that we've looked at, we've looked at, and it's not all inclusive of, of, of the, these names of God, but we've looked at Yahweh as, as the one true God. We've looked at, at Yahweh who is present, who is powerful, and a God that saves, which we're even seeing today is God that saves. We see a God that provides. God that provides, but really what it means by provides is that he sees what's happening. He sees your life, he sees what you need, he provides for what you need and he he's going to he's there. He sees what's happening. We've seen a God that heals. We had a service where we, we we had a prayer time where just for a healing service. And I've heard some stories of people that there's some miraculous things that happened. And I know there's still more going on that I haven't even received, heard back yet. And I think God is still working, still working healings of that day. We've seen that God's my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Psalm 23. A shepherd who loves his sheep. A shepherd that loves them and cares for them. A shepherd that is willing to die for them and has died for them. How God is peace and how God is there. God is there always. And now today that God is righteous. A God that keeps his promises even though we can't keep ours. God sent his son to provide a way to restore a relationship to him. Jesus paying that price that I didn't deserve his death and his resurrection that through faith we receive this righteous, righteousness that comes from god so that's a question I ask. i keep me so what's your story what is your story how does your story end maybe i need to ask the question how does it begin has it begun has your story begun is today the day that, that maybe it does begin it begins as, this, as we read in Romans 5, 20-21. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness. In this kind of life. To bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So it's that life. This eternal righteousness with God. That we get when we put our faith in Jesus. Forever, be forever in the love of God. Forever in the love of Yahweh Sidkenu, the Lord our righteousness. Lord, I pray for, just, I give you thanks for,